Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to Off Topic Hot Topic, a bonus episode of the Hunting Seasons Podcast. I'm Damask Leary. I'm Broderick Gordis. Sakya. Off Topic Hot Topic. Uh, that's whatever you were talking about for you. Before we get into things, you should know that we love getting topic suggestions from our listeners. So if you'd like to contribute a question, topic, or story to Off Topic Hot Topic, you can do so by emailing us at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or tweeting us at huntingscast. If you want to email us, you'd be following along the steps of Dane and Emily. We've got two emails to get through very quickly before we start things. Uh, Dane is pretty much just giving us a little bit of a uh, follow-up. He uh, sent us an email in relation to Bump Season 1, which was our review episode last week. Which we hated. Which we did not love, but Dane did. And he says, Dane says, hey, guys, just finished the latest episode of Hunting Seasons. For what it's worth, I was happy for you to read out the email. <laughs> if you didn't agree, just as long as you didn't prefix prefix, prefix it sorry, with now listen to what this idiot thinks. <laughs> That's good. His rebuttal, mm-hmm. yeah, I've got nothing. I'm sorry you guys found the show a little bit of a slog to get through. Listen to you guys. To you guys, I did find myself mostly agreeing with your criticisms that you raised, uh, so I'm happy to relent uh, that it's not a perfect put-together show, but for me, it's still incredibly watchable, which I think is fair enough. Yeah, that's we've good got such Dan. nice listeners. I feel like that's happened a couple of times now where someone's been like, oh, please watch this show. And then when we've been like, we fucking hate it. And they're always like, we, oh, I appreciate your time. Thanks anyway. And it's just so nice. I know. I don't know why people put up with our shit. Uh there's so much there's so much unfulfilled potential to explore mm. with some of these characters and dynamics but ultimately I'm happy with what I got. Um, I think as you both touched on in your reviews it's a matter of taste. For me I think it's a combination of nostalgias of is a nostalgia saying hit, that we don't have taste. Possibly. You asshole. Which is fair, you always <laughs> say that. A combination of a nostalgia hit as a Sydney expat uh, and just enjoying a respite from watching Americans with problems to watch uh, mm. something that somehow feels much realer, which I think is a fair point yeah, as that well. Is. Uh, anyway, that's my hot take. Uh, it made me cringe listening back to it, but thanks again for reading out my email. Great review. I'm looking forward to season two of Bump and the next episode of Hunting Seasons. Cheers, Dane. Thank you very much, thanks, Dane. Dane. Appreciate that. We also got an email a little while back, actually, uh, from a previous writer in and mm-hmm. listener of the show, Emily. And Emily writes... Broad, because mostly she's interacted with me on these yeah. emails. She knows how <laughs> inactive I am online. That makes sense. So, this first part is is a little bit dry, but I think it's important because I want to bring this up on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So, since early November, my podcast app hasn't been downloading new episodes of Hunting Seasons. I just kept thinking you guys must be recharging. Obviously, I should have checked the website, but yesterday I searched and there's somehow a whole new f- feed to subscribe to. Mm. So, I got to finally catch up. So, I'm going to end there for a second. Don't know what's happening there. Actually mm. had another person say the same thing happened to them. It Paul actually has that. happened to me as well. I just never mentioned it. Because, like, I've got two podcast apps. Like, sure. one that I have premium premium on, like, Stitcher, because it's mm-hmm. got a bunch of comedy stuff that I really enjoy. So, it doesn't, like, load new episodes on Stitcher at all. It just doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. But on my, like, just Google podcast app, it does. 
should have mentioned this earlier and doesn't need to be on the podcast, but I'm letting you know. Well, this is now our meeting. I want to put it out there. I would like to hear from listeners if they've yeah. had this problem before because it's not something that we're doing at our end. Mm. It's not like we have changed the RSS feed or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It should just be happening smoothly. So if it is happening that somehow the feed just stops working and you need mm. to resubscribe, if that's happened to you, please let us know. The hard thing is if that's happening... There's not a lot of ways for us to let people know. We can try and put it on social media, but honestly, I think there's more people listening Mm -hmm. and just finding us that way than there are actually following us on social media. So, it's like, sorry, guys, just keep checking if you feel like we haven't been in contact for a while. It's possible we're just getting lazy. We're not ghosting you. But we're not ghosting you. In this instance, we're not ghosting you. So, thanks for bringing that to our attention, Emily. Um, Number one on Emily's uh, follow-up list, congratulations on my engagement. Thank you very much, Emily. Uh, Damask is moving to Perth. I mean, good for her, but I know she'll be missed. Mm, I will be. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I'm not going to miss a thing, but I'll I'll definitely be missed. That's true. Number three, you better have watched Ted Lasso by now. Now, at the time of sending Mm. this email, we hadn't. uh, But we have now. Now we have. Nothing is more important. I saw a headline. Line early on that said Ted Lasso is the rare show that is for everybody and that is absolutely correct. I want to cradle it like a baby. Mm-hmm. I want a little mini Ted inside of me to react to the world with kindness and strength. There Amen. Is no- I think you might be getting a bit clucky there, Emily. There is no <laughs> way to describe this show in words that are good enough. A plot description makes it sound like the liest of comedies and a mm-hmm. heart description makes it sound too saccharine. Please review it hard. I yeah. believe we did review we it did hard. We did. You certainly. Real hard. Real hard. Um, well, I was just, I was at work yesterday. And I was describing it to a guy who was, you know, saying he was enjoying some feel-good shows at the moment. And I was like, oh, well, you have to watch Ted Lasso. And I was trying to explain it to him. And I was like, and I thought it sounded stupid as well, but I swear it's not. But it's really hard to describe to people Mm -hmm. just how wonderful it is. Absolutely. We got uh, Steph's brother and his partner watching it. Mm -hmm. And they said they'd started. And we're like, we're waiting for them to like reply and tell us. And they hadn't got back to us like, they don't like this show. They're never coming yeah. to our house ever again. <laughs> they're not welcome. This is a this is a test. You don't have shared values, obviously. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I was glad to hear someone talk about the Save by the Bell reboot. Mm. I really had a great time with it and didn't know if it was uncool or what. Not a lot of people are talking about it here because only the first episode is free on NBC Peacock. Uh, to seek out alternative options. We all know what that means. But a lot of people probably <laughs> didn't put forth the effort. Now that the office has moved to Peacock, more people will be mm. shelling out the money and maybe there'll be um, some more eyes on it. It's worth mentioning um, that just the other day or in the last couple of weeks, Saved by the Bell, the reboot got renewed for a second season. It did. I'm very excited. I so loved season one. I thought it was pitch perfect. Is yeah. this something you'd like to review? Is it worth reviewing, do you think, on the show? Maybe. I don't know because I'm worried. It's just one of those things where like, it's funny, you know what I mean? So sure. I'm not sure if there's a deep dive to go into Not there. a lot to talk about. Yeah. Fair enough. But I'm glad that you have enjoyed it and are getting mm. a season two, yes. Emily. Um, I feel like I've been listening to you mention this one before, but I could have missed it. Um, have you checked out Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet? I have brought this up mm-hmm. actually slightly recently, but in the past when I watched it the first time and then the Quarantine TV Sorry, the quarantine episode they did last year that was just a one-off. Um, uh, I feel it's really up your alley. It follows the creative and marketing departments of a video game. It's got Danny Pudi. Like, she's talking my language. Mm. There's one episode that has no regular characters but tells a lovely story. I agree. That was an excellent episode. It stars an Australian actress who has a shining light on Please Like Me, a show that we- That I hated. <laughs> that you hated, but we got Emily to watch and she yes, quite loved, which was true. cool. And I love that more people uh, know her now. I agree. It was the first show to make a quarantine episode, I believe. It was the first show. I don't know if it was the first show to do a quarantine episode. There may have been some of those um, 
like cast reunion things going on. Yeah. It was the first show I can think of that did a quarantine specific episode mm-hmm. and it was damn good. In fact, that's exactly what Emily says. And damn, it was a good one. I agree. <laughs> so I think you'll enjoy it and you'll also think it's highly discussable. So Mythic Quest just got also just got re- oh, not review- renewed for a season two. We knew it was getting one, but its second season has been announced to be released on May 7th now on Apple TV+. Plus. So that's coming cool. out real soon as well, which is exciting. There's a very small teaser trailer out for that as mm. well. Um, I'm looking forward to checking it out. Again, I don't know if it'll be a review one, but maybe something I'll talk about um, as of what I've been watching in a future off-topic hot topic for yeah. sure. I think if it continues to get better, like there was some real peaks in season one, mm-hmm. and I think if it's making kind of cool TV and stories like that, I think there's potential for it to be a reviewable show. Possible. Another show I liked this year was A Teacher. Have you heard about A Teacher, Damask? No, I don't think so. Uh, a, a TV show. A, a, t- a TV show, yeah. Emily yeah. says, I wouldn't put it on a top ten list, but I feel like... Uh, I'll be thinking about forever. It's a 10 half-hour episodes, and it was on Hulu here. It stars Kate Mara, who we recently watched. Oh, I saw the trailer. I thought it was a movie. Yeah. Kate Mm -hmm. Mara was recently in uh, Pose. Is that right? Is that Kate Mara? Yes. Yes? Yes. Uh, Who has always been the top three for my celebrity exception list. She's a teacher. Yep. She's a teacher (laughs) and has an an affair with a 17-year-old male student. So it's already a gender swap of the usual sexy story. Um, Sexy being in quotes. And when it morphs into an even swappier swap, (laughs) well said, uh, when the second half of the season follows the student as he gets a little bit older. Um, Yeah, it goes on to say it could be a bit triggering for some people as well, um, but also could be very healing Mm. or sort of like a deep dive, interesting sort of breakdown of that trope in TV, I think. Mm. Sounds quite interesting. I don't know if that's something you're interested in checking out. I do like Kate I, Mara. I am. As someone who was sexually assaulted by a teacher. <laughs> so I didn't want to say it outright. Um, but that is what Emily was no. alluding to, I think, if I she was worried about it was your... like, I mean, I'm well over it. But yeah, no, I think I am interested in that. Mm. Mm. I'm not sure I'll check that. I'll look it up in a second where you can check that out here in Australia. But thank you for bringing that to our attention as well, Emily. Lastly, I was waiting for you to mention this all during your Mando discussion. You've likely seen it, but I, but if not, I'm so glad to bring it to you. I also thought the big Boba Fett fight scene was a snooze, which is something we talked about in The Mandalorian, yes. right? Agreed. Um, in season two. But then I saw it played out against MC Chris's Fett's Vet and Holy Shit. So What does that mean? What are those so words? So this is a song. It's a rap about Boba Fett. Oh, okay. I had not seen this before. Emily did bring this to my attention. Mm-hmm. And I will put the link to the video um, in the show notes for this episode. Mm-hmm. It is worth checking out. Emily goes on to say, I just ran it side by side with the episode to make sure this guy didn't recut the scene to suit his needs, and he didn't. The more I watch it, the more I'm convinced that the Mandalorian's editor cut the scene to this music. Um the Breaking Bad slash Better Call Saul podcast always talk about cutting to attempt scores and what better one to use than a Boba Fett rap, mm-hmm. basically. And I agree that watch having watched this clip, which you should check out after listening to this podcast, um, that the video or the style of the action does suit this song very well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's necessarily beat for beat. There are a few lines that seem to line up with what's happening on screen. Okay. But more importantly, I want to watch that now. Yeah, but more okay. importantly, I was like, yeah, if this was the, the the score they put under it on the show, mm. maybe I would have been more on board with it because it was leaning into a feel, but it didn't feel right inside the show with what yeah, we got. That was the problem. Oh, Emily's emails are so good. They're anyway, always go. excellent. Thank you, Emily. <laughs> P.S. This is pretty strictly for Damask and it's not news. I apologize. But oh my God, I just learned Erin Doherty, the best, is the, the best part of the crown, loves ladies. Of course she does. Do you know that? Really? Erin Doherty as AAKP. Princess uh, Anne in yes. seasons three and four. 
There were a couple of photos in the email as well. Really? I'll forward them to you. Oh, photos. Hello. <laughs> thank you, Emily. Partner, yeah. Oh, thank you so much for giving me that. Uh, so thanks for sending those emails in, guys. It was a great way to start this off-topic hot topic. Please, if anyone else would like to um, send us an email with their thoughts on things, suggestions for shows, topic suggestions, etc. Um, and of course, Dana and Emily. You got pictures of ladies loving ladies. Send them through. Thank you. <laughs> with free- clothing. Thank you. Feel free to keep sending us stuff. We'd love to talk more with you guys on the show. Let's get into some announcements, um, mm-hmm. some of the news that's been happening. Start with some just um, quick and easy ones. This is not a, a light place to start. Rest in peace to Larry King, who died at the age of 87. R.I.P. And also to Saved by the Bell star Dustin Diamond at 44 years of age. R.I.P. Do you have any particular thoughts on those actors? I'm, I know Larry King mostly as a pop culture icon. He's mm. like aped or actually appears in things as himself yes. often. In- we didn't have that in Australia, but I've... I'm quite familiar with him just, yeah, like you said, he's he appears in things or, you know, a cartoon will have him in, in it or whatever. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, don't have a huge connection with him or his work, I suppose. Sure. Um, whereas, obviously, Screech from Saved by the Bell really informed a lot of my fashion choices as a young tomboy. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was very sad, obviously, because he was much younger. Much. Um, had a bit of a rough stint for part of his life. It was, yeah, very sad to hear that he had passed. Absolutely. Uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League is set to premiere on HBO Max and binge in Australia on March 18th. Mm. I bring this up because it's going to streaming services. We don't normally talk about movies quite like this. Originally, there was rumours it was going to be split because it's four hours long. It was going to be split into four-hour-long parts. Mm. That does not appear to be the case. So, the Snyder Cut... Doesn't appear to be cut at all. It's just it's not every, a cut. every single piece that he could is find two and a half together. times longer yeah. than the original cut than <laughs> yeah, the, right. the other cool. guys cut. No, I'll watch it. I'll watch it on the car ride over here. We were discussing <clears throat> it, and I think we realised I can't. I'm not sure. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I don't think I watched the original. I don't think you have. Yeah, it's so like I'll, it's very forgettable. The original, so yeah. it's possible that you have and you just don't. I remember may not it. have been sober and watching it. Who knows? But well, I, I, got- I plan to watch this one. <laughs> Definitely not sober. <laughs> Out of your mind? Yeah. Um, so I think I have to watch the original and then the new one. Well, I was suggesting that you should. we should both watch the new one together. Mm-hmm. I've seen the original. Yes. And maybe you should watch the original you afterwards. You can give me the commentary on the... No, more that just... I, we- th- I would prefer that because I don't really want to have to watch two versions of it. So oh. if you could just give me the, well, this is what I think about that, <laughs> then I'll just take your word for it. I could do that. Yeah. The beautiful thing is the original cut is less than... It's like an hour and a half long. Yes. So it's like a breeze. That is nice. It's two episodes of Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way I'm thinking about it. That's that's how I count time now. Yeah, exactly. This this stage, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Muppet Show, the original Muppet Show, yes. is now on Disney+. Plus. I believe it's all their episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's cool that people can get access to that. People are wondering why that wasn't there already. One of the reasons is possibly that they were trying to figure out how to deal with some maybe outdated content. And 18 episodes now have content disclaimers in front of them talking ah, about representations that maybe weren't that definitely weren't good at the time and certainly aren't good now, mm-hmm. um, that doesn't hold up in modern light. I think that's a great way to do it. Because, you know, obviously people were cutting out episodes from shows that were deemed inappropriate. Yes. I think putting, yeah, a disclaimer before it is probably a... I think it's a better idea. I think it, so like, too. That's what a lot of white people thought and acted and all that stuff. Yep. We can't erase that. We've been terrible people forever. So, yeah, disclaimer, if you can't or won't or don't watch it, then that's your decision and that's totally valid. 
Don't tell a Republican. They'll tell you that either it's appalling the Muppets have been cancelled, like because <laughs> apparently putting a disclaimer ahead of putting their content yeah. out for the world to see mm. in the easiest fashion it's ever been is cancelling now. Or Disney's not going far enough by not taking Those it down. poor Muppets being cancelled. Oh, my God. I'm sure Kermit's crying backstage. Bella Ramsey, uh, a.k.a. Oh, Liana Mormont from Game of Thrones. Oh, yes. And Pedro Pascal have been cast as Ellie and Joel in the H- uh, in the Last of Us HBO series. Oh, yes. I, I have been seeing some fan edit, I think, posters of this. Sure. Mm. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, Pedro Pascal can just do whatever the fuck he wants at the moment. Haven't played the game. Sure. Too hard. Yep. Will watch the show because I don't have to actively participate. <laughs> Which is, yeah. And that's one of the harder parts sometimes. That game plays very well. Mm. It's also not the easiest. I've heard great things. I just found it very stressful and too hard. Yeah, it is a stressful game. It Mm. took me a long time to finally actually Mm. force my way to get through it. Um, But Pedro Pascal, perfect casting, I think, as Joel. Bella Ramsey is interesting only because we've not seen a heap of her. Mm -hmm. Pedro has more than proven himself. She was a highlight for her bit as Liana Mormont in a couple of seasons of Game of Thrones. But it was a very small role. And, one, and a very specific one-note one yeah. role. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm yet to see her on anything else to know what what her range is like, mm-hmm. but um, I'm, I'm trusting sure HBO to get this right. Yeah, learn a lot from Pedro either way. Definitely. So that should be good. Very excited for all of that. Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Donald Glover are teaming up for a Mr. and Mrs. Smith TV reboot on Amazon Prime. All right. I did not know this news. How are you, What are you doing? How are you missing this stuff? I don't know. I've been playing Animal Crossing again. That might be Oh, it. lovely. Yeah, it's quite relaxing. That's um, good. This is great news. Yes. Think about that for a second. I, I am. I'm I marinating thought, in it right now. That's, this is interesting getting Juices a live reaction because yeah. I figured everyone had already sort of simmered in this for a no. while. You haven't. Okay. Oh, yes. The, set, mm. the follow-up headline to this that what Donald Glover- What a tasty Glover, morsel you've given me. <laughs> Donald Glover has signed a hefty multi-year deal with Amazon, so he's got apparently a lot of projects to start with them. I imagine it's there'll be some Charles Campino stuff. And, yeah, very mm-hmm. smart on their part. Um, he's still got two seasons of Atlanta still coming out yeah. um, with FX. But yeah, Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Donald Glover teaming up for anything. You could you could literally name any property in Are the they world. writing it together? I believe they're at least producing. I don't know if they're writing it. They're, they're casting it, I think, as Imagine the Mr. Imagine if they were writing it. Because oh. that would be very cool. Maybe they are. I hope so. Even if they're not, I'm still going to watch it, but I kind of hope they They're going to have an influence over that script. Yeah. There's no way you That's get <laughs> two prolific TV writers <laughs> yes. for a TV show and go, you're cast. Very accomplished TV writers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very, very yeah. award-winning. You can't change a word, Phoebe. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> um, that's super exciting. Yeah. The, the funny thing is, if you think about it, they met on the Han Solo movie. Like, that's where they started oh. to do stuff. That's a, they, they have teamed up once before. Right. I never watched that. As Lando and whatever that robot's name was. But they were, like, paired up in that yeah, film as cool. well. Uh, the Powerpuff Girls live-action sequel, which we've talked about previously as being going into early production, mm-hmm. has gotten a pilot order. So, that's at least getting a cool. pilot made. We'll watch. I don't know if it's cool or not. A lot of people are raising their eyebrows at I'm just going to watch exist. it. I'm just going to see what happens. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go in free of judgment. Good mm-hmm. point. Mindy Kaling mm-hmm. uh, is set to produce and star in a Velma origin st- animated series on HBO Max. Velma as in Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo Velma. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I like Mindy Kaling. Mm-hmm. I think some of her stuff has been a bit hit and miss. Sure. I really like the... The Mindy Project, I think mm-hmm. that's what it was called. That was really good. Um, hmm. 
Do I care about Velma? I think I'll have to see like the tone of it when like a trailer drops or something. One of the things that people have mentioned is the other of the animated stuff on HBO Max. Mm. There's a couple other things we're about to mention actually, but um, the Harley Quinn show didn't start on HBO Max. It was on the DC Universe mm-hmm. channel, but it's going to HBO Max now for season three. Yeah. So what people are wondering if it might have a similar sort of tone to that. That'd be cool. More adult. That'd be really cool. I like that idea. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. Okay. If it's not a kids show, mm. it's more adult orientated. I think I could be really into that. Mm. Though, if it's an origin story, how young is Velma going to be? And is that going to change <laughs> yeah. what you can do with that character? Anyway, curious. I mean, when you look at Velma, I know they're meant to be, you know, pesky kids. She could be a 55 year old woman. So who knows? Maybe she's the Benjamin Button situation. She's aging backwards. That's true. Uh, also, HBO Max um, have requested two seasons of Clone High, uh, which is an, the revival of the Phil Lord, Bill Lawrence, and Christopher Miller cult MTV animated series that only lasted one season originally. Have you ever heard of Clone High? No, I, I brought have it up not. before because I love. I clearly wasn't listening. Lord and Miller, <laughs> they are the guys behind the Lego Movie and mm. Cloudy, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and. Um, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. I rewatched that the other day. And uh, 21 Jump Street? Yeah. Oh, wow. And originally they were the guys that were meant to make the solo movie, the Hunt Solo movie, and then got Probably booted off that. Probably should have stuck with them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this series is a lot of people talk about as being an absolute cult classic, just cancelled before its time, and mm. have been people have been wanting a re- revival for a long time. So the fact they're not just getting one season, but two seasons off the bat, mm, coming exciting. back to this a decade or two later is... Pretty cool news. Also makes me go, wow, you got a lot to live up to based mm. on your current reputation. It'd be like well, if Firefly got that. revived. Yeah, you can't do it, but yeah. But it's easier with an animated show. So we'll see how that goes. I, I think we need to check out Clone High. Maybe maybe before those two new seasons come out, we should check out and review the original maybe. I'm in. That sounds good. Sex in the City is getting a revival series titled And Just Like That for HBO Max <laughs> without Kim Cattrall. Cattrall? Cattrall? Cattrall. Cattrall. Yeah. Did I get that right? The, and just like that, I feel like that's how it I was. I mean, yes, you sounded just like Carrie. Thank um, you. Yeah, fuck that. Like, <laughs> if, Samantha's not, that. if Samantha's not there, I don't care. Like, So, no. Kim Cattrall has suggested in an interview that they should mm. recast the part. She's not interested in the part anymore. No. But maybe they could recast the part with somebody else. Maybe even somebody, um, a person of colour mm-hmm. or something like that. Just really switch it up. Do I something think that would there. be... I love that in theory. I think that would be so incredibly unfair to have whoever like has to do that though. to to compete with the other three icons from that three show. icons and to take over a part that has such a clear voice. Sure, um, would be extremely difficult. Sure, I just think the show is going to be fucking shit without Kim Cattrall. How are our revival series going at this point? I'm trying to think of what's coming out. Uh, did you ever watch the Will and Grace revival? That went for a few seasons, even. Yeah, I mean, it was very similar to its original version, mm-hmm. but the original version, while I still find very amusing, feels very dated. Sure. Yeah. There's the that Frasier, n- another series of Frasier is meant to be on the way. There's all sorts of things like this I've happening. I've never really moment. enjoyed Frasier, which I know is sacrilege, but ugh, We were talking about up. One Division in the car and, mm. like, trying to figure out, like, what would the next decade of, like, sitcoms look like? Yeah, if and you were to, like, recreate or play homage if, to it. If you were yeah. to go past 
the early 2000s into 2010, 2020. And the yeah. thing I came to was like, we just keep remaking old shit. Mm-hmm. We keep reviving old series. We're getting the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air yeah. revival series and stuff like that happening. That's what the next one would be. You'd have to like recast and have mm. older versions of everybody and like. Yeah. Or we're doing like a post-modern dissection of, you know, tropes and exactly. all that stuff. Uh, RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under has been announced for Stan. It's coming sometime early 2021, I believe. Yeah. Relatively soon. They're filming in New Zealand. This is not... They're filming in New Zealand, are they? Yes. That makes sense, yeah. actually. Um, this is not necessarily TV news, but it's about TV personalities, so I'm going to let it pass. Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem have been cast to play Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz in Aaron Sorkin's movie for Amazon about mm-hmm. Lucille Ball um, or about I Love Lucy. I think Catherine Hahn should have done it. I said that immediately, and I stand by that. I still think you think Deborah Messing. Don't Deborah you? Messing was yeah. always the one that stood and I out. I think that makes sense as well. But I just I think Catherine Hahn is so talented, and I love her, and I want to see her in everything. But yeah, um, I guess I don't know. They're two very serious people. Yes, yes, right. And like I understand, it's probably like behind the scenes. There's a lot of drama and stuff. But if you're a funny person, you're still like funny in real life generally. A lot of good comedic actors are exceptionally good dramatic actors as well. Yeah. Doesn't always work the other way around. Yes. I'm trying to think of Nicole Kidman in roles that are less funny, a little tongue-in-cheek. And she was good in Paddington 1. Mm. Um, but she's got like some funny moments in like Moulin Rouge and stuff. Like, Sure. But is she Lucille Ball funny? I mean, I've never seen her be able to do that. I think, what was that terrible? I mean, it was really fun, but it was not a good film. Um Prom, the prom. Oh yeah, I never saw that. Um, she was being a, movie, a bit silly in that as yep. well. Um, That's why I can see where Catherine Hahn would be perfect casting. Yeah, because she would, could just eat up that role. Deborah Messing can do that as well. Deborah Messing can do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, she's been she was working on a sitcom for vast majority of her career. Yeah. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons is getting getting a series adaptation in the works uh, from John Wick writer Derek Kolstad. Mm-hmm. Now, none of that. None of the particulars of that, Derek Kolstad being behind or anything particularly interests me. Mm. It's more, we've been playing Dungeons & Dragons now for a few years. A long time now. It has been a while now. Now that I think it, I'm like, what's it, like six years or something? Something like that. Different campaigns, but uh, we've been playing for a while now. So, we, you know, we're fans of the genre and Mm -hmm. we occasionally dip into like um, people who play online and live Mm -hmm. stream and stuff like that, Critical Role and the Dungeon Run and things like that. How do you feel about the idea? There's a movie apparently being made with Chris Pine in it as well. Mm. How do you feel about the idea of a Dungeons & Dragons TV series? Uh, I mean, it's got like the brand recognition, which is great, but it sure. could just be any fantasy series, really. Well, one of the Because if make thi- your own adventure, then can't it be anything? Dungeons & Dragons. I guess what, you're do- what are you doing with it? The base rule set and like base races and there are things that make it like Dungeons and Dragons, right? That's set yeah. apart from, say, Tolkien or C.S. Lewis or something like that, right? But it is building on this idea of give you as many options, mm. as many places to go as we can so yeah. that you can then explore in whatever way you want. I did read a wonderful tweet earlier today mm-hmm. about this, is that um, they were hoping that whoever, like, the party is, whenever one of the party dies, yep. in the next scene they'll meet a totally different character, but played by the same actor. I love that I idea. thought that was so perfect. Yeah, that's a brilliant yeah, idea. If it's a bit like tongue-in-cheek um, and brings in the actual dynamics of playing Dungeons & Dragons, I think that could be really fun. The question is, is it kind of redundant? Mm. When you think about like TV shows that have already done incredible Dungeons & Dragons episodes like Community and the mm. like, but also the fact that there are 
quite literally hundreds of online like you can watch people play Dungeons and Dragons right now. And yes, a yeah. TV show is going to be I different. Watch Dungeon Run all the fucking time. Yeah. It's my favourite. Everyone should watch it. So much of it. Yeah. In fact, I believe um, Critical Role are developing like an animated show or something like that to go Makes along sense. with their original it's, campaign. It's very clever. Mm. I, I, yeah. I, it seems like more of a marketing thing than a this is a story we need to tell sort of thing. And there's so much content out there. It's just that's what how I mean can about we... like the brand recognition. That's what's yeah. about more than anything. So I'm kind of not excited for the series, even though I love the brand because mm. it I'll just feels it like a marketing. But so far, I don't decision. actually know what they're doing. Yeah. So other than it's based on the game. Um, following Hank Azaria, who no longer voices Apu or Carl on The Simpsons, Harry Shearer will no longer voice Doctor Hibbert as of I think. This week, basically, mm. he's no longer playing that character. Mm-hmm. He was a bit resistant to that whole idea of having to that white actors couldn't play mm-hmm. people of color in animated shows. But one way or another, the pressure seems to have got to him, and he has turned yeah. around on that decision, which is interesting. Or maybe he was just told he can't do it anymore. I'm I mean, that's sure. probably what should have happened if someone's resisting. You can just be like, "Well, that's cool, but you don't have a job anymore." So well, I think what happened was the reaction to the new voice for Carl, and I haven't heard the new voice for Apu yet, but it's mm. generally been fine. Yeah. There wasn't a massive outcry or outrage mm-hmm. about it. I think probably a lot of people didn't even notice necessarily. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, well, maybe we should just do it because we're not really pissing yeah. anybody off. It's like when I was watching uh, the latest season of Big Mouth and the character of Missy, and it was, um, mm. oh, golly, what's her name? Jenny Slate? Yeah, Jenny Slate. For the majority of it, I was like, I thought they changed this character out and then it happens. I was like, oh, and it's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't really affect your appreciation or love of the character at all. Good. Uh, Some renewals. HBO Max has renewed Search Party for season five. For a show that sort of got lost after season two in a huge delay, then season three and then four just sort of came out and now into season five, it's gaining gaining a huge amount of momentum at the moment, Search Mm. Party, which is cool. Yeah. Um, I hate it still, but yeah. Yeah, you're never going to watch it. (laughs) I'm not. But you are the exception to that rule, I believe. Oh, actually, I was talking to your brother, Liam, about it, actually, last time we were driving together to our D&D game. And he, he's like, oh, maybe just watch, like, an episode a week or something. Or, like, oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe I could do that. I think binging it was really bad for me. That might have been the bad yeah. move there. Uh, Netflix has renewed Bridgerton for season two. Mm-hmm. Not surprised since it's, like, the biggest show they've ever made, apparently. I can't believe it. It's one of the worst shows I've ever seen. It was Is unwatchable. It? <gasps> it was so terrible. Although I will say, I think you have to be attracted to men to enjoy it. Right. Which I am not. Right. And I can appreciate a beautiful man, but it's just, oh, I hated it. Wow. Yeah. It was crap. I I haven't watched a minute of it yet. Um, I mean, I've already ranted about it, but like they only have about three conversations. Like everyone's having the same conversation over and over and over again. It's fucking tedious. You did talk about this in our last Off Topic Hot Topic, correct. Go back to that one if you want to get (laughs) an opinion on Bridgerton Season 1. The CW has renewed basically everything on its slate. Mm -hmm. Guess pandemic, they'll just like just keep doing what you're doing. I can't believe they keep adding stuff to the Arrowverse. Yeah. So, Batwoman has been renewed for season three. Season uh-huh. two has just recently started. Don't know how that's going. Charmed, which I haven't seen a second of as well. Mm. The revival of Charmed got a new season. Legend of Tomorrow, Dynasty, The Flash, Nancy Drew, Riverdale, Roswell, which I forgot it had a renewal as well, mm-hmm. or a, a revival. The Walk, a new Walker series with the guy from Supernatural. And there was also, you were saying, it's not a renewal, but there's that new Superman and Lois. Oh, Lois yeah. And Clark show. No Dean Kane, not as interested. Well. Yeah. Um, well, that's the thing is like they no, revived Walker. No, that's why I'm Walker. interested. Dean Kane's a piece of shit. So, is he? Yeah, yeah, He's like far right. Like, oh, of course dickhead. he is. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like Walker. I was like, where's my Chuck Norris? Like to remake that show yeah. to me is 
astronomically insane, but apparently it's one of their most popular like pilots ever aired or something ridiculous. Yeah. But I guess he's got all those supernatural fans or whatever. TNT has renewed Snowpiercer for a season three. That's an adaptation of two separate movies. One that was a remake of the original. Yeah, anyway, that's still going. And Peacock have renewed, as we said already, Saved by the Bell for a second season. Mm -hmm. Cancellations. Brooklyn Nine-Nine has been cancelled again after being originally cancelled back at like season five, I think it was, after its eighth season. Um, It sounds like the creators are pretty much on board with this happening. It Mm. wasn't a shock necessarily. No. And it seems like some of this maybe have also been an effect of like the Black Lives Matter movement and police brutality Mm. and um, need for reform. And maybe I think it's a valid reason to walk away from that kind of show. I also think like... Brooklyn Nine-Nine, well, I think is really enjoyable and I've liked it for many years. Mm-hmm. Didn't really feel like it was going anywhere. Sure. It kind of, yeah, I don't know. It didn't make me go, oh, yes, new episode or a new season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine is coming out. But that's just me personally. I'll be fascinated to see how they end it. Mm. Now, what? How? What? what's the end point going to be? Is it just going to be the Nine-Nine shutting down? Are they going to be split up? Mm. Are they going to become... Posties, like, that's a good theory that I like. <laughs> I do like that one. Um, we'll see. HBO's Insecure has been cancelled after, well, will be cancelled after season five and Peaky Blinders after season six. Mm-hmm. Some major stories I want to talk about with you. Yes. I, those those were meant to be the easy ones. We talked about those plenty. <laughs> Jodie Whittaker might be leaving Doctor Who after next season. This rumour circulated a little while ago now, but we haven't done an off-topic hot topic since mm. the end of last year. Um, how do you feel about that? Instant reaction. It's just a shame because, like, she never really got to do anything really great. Yeah. Is my reaction to you that. You and I still haven't watched the New Year's special oh, from fuck, this year. Oh, fuck, I forgot yet. about that. Mm. Yeah, we haven't. We need to do that. Which mm. I think says a lot about how we're feeling about Doctor Who at the mm-hmm. moment. Because the, uh, the we used to get up at, like, 6am to go to someone's house so we could watch the Christmas special of Doctor Who? Yep. Like, good Lord. Mm. Mm. That was a long time ago now. It was. Uh, Seven or eight years, yeah. This same report that rumours that she might be leaving... Um, also says that Chris Chibnall, the showrunner, will stay on. So that's like, it's a, as I see it as two bad news stories. Yeah. Because I think. Removing the wrong element. Yeah. Yeah. This is back to front. Mm -hmm. Um, It should be, he's going and Jodie's staying, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's been common for the newest iteration of Doctor Who for the Doctors to last about three seasons. Mm -hmm. And then for each showrunner to get two Doctors. So. So hopefully they'll only get one season of the new. And then or, move it on over. Yeah, we'll see what happens. A long time to go, but they're currently filming Jodie's third season, which I think okay. is season 14 from memory. Such a shame for her. Anyway, Indeed. Gina Carano was fired from Lucasfilm after, quote, abhorrent and unacceptable, unquote, <laughs> social media posts. So, quote abhorrent, yeah. Uh, she is. That's that's their line. Yeah. No, uh, I love it. I think it's They're right. Yeah. Um. So, she's no longer going to be a part of any of the Star Wars stuff, including The Mandalorian. We mm-hmm. assumed she was going to be a big part of the New Republic TV series, yeah. Range of the New Republic. That seems less likely now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was never interested in a space cop show anyway, but yeah. I think that show might still happen. It yeah, just won't happen. I just don't think I'll watch it, really. Or they'll recast her, which mm-hmm. is a possibility. I'd be interested in that. I would too. Because I also think, you know, she was a fucking shit actor. She wasn't sure. good. But I, I don't hate the character. No, it's got nothing to do with character. I think yeah. she was is a terrible actress. Sure. Um, and yes, what she did was terrible. So I'm like, no loss. Any thoughts on the timing of it in terms of why now compared to... Because the, mm. the tweet that it involved that 
that got her booted was very insensitive to uh, the Holocaust, basically Nazi like survivors of the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Um, but she'd been extremely transphobic and all sorts yeah. of things before that. It's like I'm not saying that's not the line. Yeah, the, the Holocaust. <laughs> Like that terrible comparison. If that's she not made, the line, I don't know where that, it is. That, yet. <laughs> that is the line, no doubt. Yeah. But maybe there was also a line earlier that shouldn't have been crossed totally. as well. I uh, think isn't the thing that when she was being transphobic was during production of season two. I feel like there was enough. We knew enough between maybe season two had started production. I don't know. Yeah, I think. You think that's it was what, That's now? what I've heard. I believe so, and I think you know. You'd think she'd fucking learn, and perhaps that was the hope, but she didn't. Um, to keep a goddamn terrible views to herself. That was a big part of the discussion. It's like, how hard is it to just not Shut be up. a like Holocaust denial or or whatever it might be, just a horrible Comparing, person. Comparing like people calling you a fucking asshole for your political views with how Jewish people were treated yeah. during World War Two. Yeah, no, it's it's very fucking different. Yeah, she's just an idiot. And that you can't like for the sake like, of your job, someone at some point is whispering no your ear. Critical thinking skills. Just, just keep that shit to yourself. Keep yeah. it in the house. Keep it around your friends. And like she shouldn't be like that. But if you even have an iota, like one brain cell, yes, just keep that Shut shit to yourself up. for the sake yeah. of your job and your career. Anyway, uh, but they they think that is persecution. The fact that they need to keep their opinions to themselves. That's. I mean, most people should if it's a hurtful fucking opinion. But there are and consequences for being irrelevant, a mostly to your fucking life. Oh, anyway, piss off. Netflix will roll out a shuffle play feature in the first half of 2021. So what I mean is, there will be a oh. button to go. I kind of saw it to watch. Just pick something at random for me. I've wanted this for a long time because mm-hmm. if there's one problem I have with Netflix in particular, yeah. it's that the catalog is so robust that it's mm-hmm. kind of. Uh, intimidating to try and look for anything new on there and maybe just being just start put me in episode one of a series I haven't watched before Mm -hmm. might be exactly what I need yeah from Netflix what I've always wanted (laughs) is I want a VR experience of walking into what looks like to be a blockbuster they have a random selection of between 100 to 200 titles they've got their new releases they've got all Prove it up and I can like go into the shelves, just see a cover, read a little blurb. And like, I want that experience again. You and want I want to go back into a blockbuster or a video easy is what you're saying. Yeah. But from the comfort of my own home. Like that was so much fun just perusing the shelves. I agree. Yeah. I had a weird moment yesterday. So mm-hmm. this was not one of our headlines, but I should mention it. The new channel on Disney Plus, an international mm. um, region. So basically, if it's not the United States or Canada... Because we don't have Hulu here. They now have the Star mm-hmm. channel, basically, as part Very of Disney+. Very exciting. Plus, which is full of, like, Fox catalogue of movies and TV shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's on there is Futurama, which I've had a hard time finding. Because mm-hmm. we recently did a review an episode of Futurama on um, the Swapcast, Swapcast podcast. Yeah. And I had to rent it to watch that episode. And I was like, why the fuck can I not stream it? Well, yeah. now I can stream the whole thing. And mm-hmm. so I put on one of my favourite episodes. And it starts with these characters in the year 3000 in a video store, renting out videos. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, this seems really weird. This is dated <laughs> now. This show's set 3,000 years in the future. Mm. Um, I just thought that was a really funny moment of like, Blockbuster was still around when they were making Futurama. What is going on? Oh, it was so exciting. Those were the days. It was lovely. Yeah. Um, so that that so you want that VR experience? I hey, really do. I think it would be so much fun. You can have a VR cinema experience. You can watch a movie and have the VR headset on, and it makes it you feel like you're in a cinema. That's quite fun. 
Um, you can, I think you can do. Do you have an annoying like person that. like three rows in front of you on their phone? I don't. And can you get up and like <laughs> yell at them? Because that would really... maybe you could mod that in. That might <laughs> yeah, be something okay. you pay extra for. A little Thank bit you. of DLC for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could see a blockbuster scenario, sort of VR. Can someone AR please make that for me? I don't own a VR headset, I say, but I'd do it with. I'd probably get one if that was a possibility. Please. Some rumor time. Mm. There is apparently or rumored to be a Harry Potter series in develop in development at HBO Max. This is initially reported on by Variety as mm. being denied by HBO, because of course mm-hmm. it would. I bring this up because we've got no details. We have no idea what it would be. Mm. Would it be a spin-off series in the vein of a uh, um, Fantastic Beasts, or would it be a remake of the original Harry Potter mm. novels, a prequel, a sequel? What would it be? But I want to bring it up because mm-hmm. for a long time now, I've mm-hmm. been saying in the next you have been. thing of time, there is going to be a Harry Potter TV series. You are a seer. I am a seer. <laughs> it's only a rumor. All right, Trelawney. And it's down. hardly a hard one mm-hmm. to pick. <laughs> it's not exactly out there theory. Mm-hmm. They're going to make, make more Harry Potter stuff. Um, but if this turns out to be true, you heard it here first is all I'm saying. Yeah, brilliant. Um, <laughs> if that were to happen... All I'm going to say is I will not be paying for it in any way. Yeah. She ain't getting my money. She is not getting a goddamn cent from me. So, this is actually something I was thinking about as well. This is a tricky thing because we're going to talk about... There's one more news story we have to talk about. I've basically been avoiding talking about it. Oh, no. Um, But there's this problem where by nature of supporting... Because of these these things are on big catalogs and streaming services... Mm. You might have someone that you don't want to support, but by nature of being subscribed to what they're on anyway, mm. you can't help but do it. Yeah. If there's only four companies that seem to own everything anyway. If you want to mm. avoid one particular person, good luck because you're probably already giving like, them funding them in some roundabout way you're not aware of. Yeah. Isn't like simply by not clicking and watching that content though, surely that would go into their stats of like so things if this that they want in binge, their catalog. Right. Yeah. Which was probably where it would end up in Australia. Mm. You would rather get it through nefarious means, like Emily was mentioning, mm. rather than watch it on binge. You would like keep your binge subscription for the things you want it for, and just not watch it in that way, so that it metrics. Yeah, I like that's probably mm. the way to do it. It's like so. take a standby. Yeah, they'd be like, "Why is no one watching this?" Sure, we might be watching it, but <laughs> you would never know. Yeah, <laughs> okay, that's a good plan. I like that. So that brings us to the oh, the new story we don't want to talk about, but we're going to. Joss Whedon, creator of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel Firefly, all that jazz, has been accused jazz. of emotional abuse on the set of Buffy and Angel by Charisma Carpenter. It's a hefty statement. I'm going to read a couple of important paragraphs. It's quite a big chunk of it, to be honest. Last summer, when Ray Fisher publicly accused Joss of abusive and unprofessional behaviour towards the cast and crew during reshoots of The Justice League set in 2017, it gutted me. Joss has a history of being casually cruel. He has created hostile and toxic work environments since his early career, I know because I experienced it firsthand, repeatedly. Like his ongoing passive-aggressive threats to fire me, which wreaks havoc on a young actor's self-esteem, and callously calling me fat to colleagues when I was four months pregnant, weighing 126 pounds. He was mean and biting, disparaging about others openly and often played favourites, pitting people against one another to compete and vie for his attention and approval. He called me in for a sit-down meeting to interrogate and berate me regarding a rosary tattoo uh, I got to help me feel more spiritually grounded in an increasingly volatile work climate that affected me physically. 
Josh intentionally refused multiple calls from me from my agents, making it impossible to connect with him to tell him the news I was pregnant. Finally, once Josh was uh, apprised of the situation, he requested a meeting with me. In that closed-door meeting, he asked me if I was going to keep it and manipulate manipulatively weaponized my womanhood and faith against me. He proceeded to attack my character, mock my religious beliefs, accuse me of sabotaging the show, and then unceremoniously fired me the following season once I gave birth. Uh, I won't go into the rest of it. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty good example of the sort of behavior she's talking about. Mm -hmm. So this is not the first time we've heard of these sorts of uh, allegations. She mentions Ray Fisher. That's been the most notable one recently. Yes. Which was on the Justice League yeah, the reshoots of that um, from 2017, as she said. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally was across these and certainly, well, I hope I didn't completely think that Ray Fisher might have been embellishing a bit, but I, I did raise my eyebrows a little bit at that one because there was just no specifics given. It was so vague as mm. to be like hard to understand what he was talking about. There was things like an accusation that he had tinted the colour of his skin to mm. make him less black in the... which I. Didn't understand what that criticism was. Color grading happens in all sorts of films. That didn't make mm. a lot of sense to me. I didn't think there was any real proof of that. That being said, though, the you Christmas have to Cup- acknowledge that bias may have been playing. But a I role? think it, I think it's fair to say I would rather have believed it wasn't true. Um, yes. As mm. and this is where really this discussion comes into play, and why I've been avoiding wanting to talk about it is that just for a long time has been one of those people that I admired a lot. Yes. In terms of. His involvement in TVs is today, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Firefly, two of my favourite TV shows of all time. Mm-hmm. I respect him as a writer, or I did respect him as a writer, as a creative, and it's pretty heartbreaking to hear that this is how he's been treating other people I admire, like Charisma Carpenter. Mm. I think you hear statements from Amber Benson and other cast members around her, some of them who seem to be aware of this and stand by for that reason, others who seem to have not been aware of it but are definitely there for her and believe yeah, her, which is good to hear. To not- um, Anthony yeah. Stewart Head, mm. um, James Masters too, who didn't necterally know about it, but oh, although James Masters had an interesting example of this as well at one stage, um, when he was first on the show, mm. he felt very intimidated by Joss as well. Yeah, I think um, at one point he said that Joss like pinned him up against the wall. Yeah, and basically yeah. told him that he was need to stop being so popular because if I want to kill you, I'll kill you. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, as he meant the character of Spike. I don't think he meant James personally. But then <laughs> no. again, I don't know Who that. Knows? Yeah. What's your reaction to all this? Uh, this is another J.K. Rowling situation. Yeah. Ways, as as a fan, and that's not to talk yeah. of the abuse allegations. I hope Charisma Carpenter is able to. I I, I um, admire her for being able to talk mm. about it finally. Um, and get it out there because I think it's important yeah. that she does. I hope she's able to heal and move past it. Yes. And get the support that she needs. I think. And I feel sorry that this happened to her in a, in a lot of ways. Yes. In I all think ways. in terms of the Joss stuff, because we've heard things like for a couple of years now, like with Joss's ex wife well. coming out. And I was like, I don't know, divorce is fucked. I don't like, not that I didn't believe her, but I'm like, just because someone's a shit husband doesn't mean they're a shit person. Well, that one was also, that article was pegged, the idea that he's not a real feminist, because that's, he definitely puts himself ahead as a feminist um, with, you know, a man with feminist ideals mm. because he cheated on his wife, essentially, yes. which is a hard line to walk, I think. I think you can have marital problems and still generally be in favour yeah. of women's rights. I think, like, the more I'm hearing about his behaviour and attitude towards people, you know, you hear Charisma Carpenter say things about, like, 
um, making people kind of vie for his attention. Mm-hmm. You look at who his cast members are, predominantly young people, a lot of young women, cheating on his wife, um, makes me go, mm, maybe he doesn't have a whole lot of respect for women or people in general. Mm-hmm. Um, probably is quite full of shit and is a feminist in theory and absolutely not in sure. practice. Um, yeah, so the more information that we're getting from more people, yeah, it's really upsetting. I think Michelle Trachtenberg alluded oh. to something that really doesn't sound very good at all. She clearly no. doesn't want to talk about it in detail and that's absolutely valid and fair, but she certainly let the world know that it was inappropriate behavior going on and she was very young when she was on Buffy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it doesn't surprise me as much as J.K. Rowling because he's, you know, sad to say, but he's a white man and has been very successful for a very long time and given quite a lot of power. So I'm like, And comes from, like, a background within Hollywood as well. His mm. father, I believe, was a writer as well. Like, he was already embedded in that system. Yeah. Well, he didn't like... It's unlike the J.K. Rowling story where she's sort of risen up from being mm. a very underprivileged single mum. Yeah. Um, the Her story always was a little bit more inspiring in terms of mm-hmm. where she'd come from to the success she had. Yes. So Joss is when you put it in perspective is, is as you said, maybe less surprising. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just incredibly disappointing and makes you go, huh? Like I had, he had so much good faith because of the material that he yeah. was creating that I really connected to as a, you know, teenager, as a young woman um, and someone who just loves television. So a huge amount of good faith. Mm-hmm. And then for this stuff to come out just makes me go, I've really got to be <laughs> like as soon as something comes out, even if it is something vague, to really be a little bit more critical of it, I think. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it is my weakness is I probably did have biases. Yeah. And there is, I, and I don't for a second, or I definitely have thought about, well, in the Ray Fisher situation, was there an unconscious bias? Mm. I don't want to think there is, but maybe there was. Him being a black man, was I less likely to believe him for some reason because mm. of that? Or maybe that's the way the media was playing it, made it sound like that the media had a bias in the way it was presenting his complaints yeah. that made it easier to yeah. sort of hand wave it away as well and not take it as serious as they yeah. should have. Perhaps, like, maybe that was true, but we, I think, should be more aware of that. Definitely. And really probably think more critically about that, what we're reading, why we're happy to go along with the narrative that's out there. Yeah, I think that's something that we probably both need to reflect on a little bit. In the broader sense of, like, the artist versus the art now, though, mm. being, like, we for the longest time have been, you know, uh, the carrot on the end of the stick for getting reviews for the show on Apple TV Podcast, on mm. Apple Podcast has been, we'll review Buffy the Vampire Slayer season one. Because we yeah. assume people want to hear that and we would like to review it and we're sort mm. of trying to make it sort of a, a treat down the road. Um is does it change how you want to come by Buffy now and Joss's stuff? Do you mm. do you still appreciate in the same way? Does this change how you feel about it? Does it make you want to discuss it less now? I don't think it does change the way I feel about it. Just 
almost, you know, in a lot of ways that J.K. Rowling doesn't change the way I feel about Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, it was very important to me at the time. I think Buffy is probably a little bit more um, in line with who I am as an adult more than probably Harry Potter mm-hmm. is. So it's something that I, you know, have rewatched a billion times and still really enjoy. It's also hard because it's such a collaborative effort and Joss Whedon doesn't have quite the financial stranglehold on Buffy that J.K. Rowling does on Harry Potter. Um, I mean, I probably have to look into the details of exactly what he's still getting out of that. Because I remember like when they were trying to do a Buffy reboot and those producers who actually own it yeah. were going to redo it without him. Yeah. Which makes me want to kind of relook as to how much he would be benefiting from me doing a rewatch. I know it's something I have to look into, but I don't necessarily immediately associate Buffy with Joss Whedon. There's so much more yeah. in it for me. It's, though it's, he is an integral part. Obviously. It yeah. is It is easier though, as you said. The difference with something like Harry Potter is that is essentially a, one, a single person's voice. Yeah. It's like... J.K. Rowling comes up with the idea. Mm-hmm. She writes into a book. Yes, it gets edited and everything like that. Art and stuff is not hers. But the majority of that, what makes Harry Potter Harry mm. Potter, is what's come from her brain onto the page. And it just keeps rolling on and on and on. Well, the ongoing stuff in terms of the movies, and so I'm finding much easier to ignore than ever before. Yes, because they're terrible. Because they're not good. Yeah. But those books I still cherish. Yes. And I have been able to... Separate. I'm never. I'm not going out of my way to buy any more Harry Potter books or rebuy them or anything like yeah, that. I, I already own them. My financial investment's been made. Yes. I my connection to the the work itself. I can separate from the artist. Yeah. Because I I just don't want to. I I hate the idea, and I understand if, if not everyone can do this, mm. but the characters within the book are not J.K. Rowling. Yes, they're her art creations, her ideas, mm. but the things I actually connect with is the world and the story of Harry Potter. Yeah, my reading of them does not belong to her. And my reaction and mm. how my emotional connection to those characters does not my re- connection to J.K. Rowling. Yes. But that's the hardest because it is a singular voice. Mm-hmm. Whereas Buffy, as you said, it's a lot. E- I think it's even easier to try and disconnect Joss from that mm-hmm. because while he might have been one of the or the biggest driving force behind it, it is full of all sorts of different collaborators in terms of all the actors – that were involved in that show, plus the other writers are in that writer's room, including like uh, Marty Knox and Jane Espenson and all these mm-hmm. amazing writers I still love to mm. this day. Um, I, yeah, I'm not going to have my way to support, I'll do anything I can to avoid supporting Joss Whedon financially from now on. Yes. But I can still enjoy Buffy. I would still like to talk about Buffy in a modern context and review it later on because it mm. was so important to us. Possibly once we get through The Sopranos, like we're going through these. It's a seminal TV show. If we're going to talk about that sort of stuff, you can't mm. avoid Buffy. Yeah. It's true. just impossible. Mm. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Hold me out inside all this stuff, but uh, yeah, I think it needs to be discussed. Yes. Um, do we want to discuss Golden Globe nominations at all? Or Not really. Fuck them. <laughs> Except fuck Emily in Paris. It's a goddamn joke. Anyway. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. 
Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Damask, what have you been watching? So I've been keeping up with both the drag races that are coming out at the moment. So we've got the US and the UK. UK is still phenomenal. Um, if you ever wanted to jump in on a drag race, I recommend season. It's only season two of Drag Race UK. It's available on Stan in Australia. Uh, BBC, I believe, in UK. No idea in America. Probably they've got their own BBC thing over there, don't they? They've got uh, BBC America, I think it is. Yeah. So one would assume, but who knows? It's just full of great characters. Someone, to- someone knows. We could do a Google search. We're just not doing no, it. No, not interested. <laughs> um, yeah, great characters, wonderful sense of humor, really good kind of workroom conversations. Had plenty of stuff about you know being non-binary, that type of thing. Um, it's just a huge amount of fun, and it even seems like the judges, RuPaul and Michelle Visage, seem to be having more fun. In the UK, I'm not sure because it maybe feels like a bit more of a holiday. Who the fuck knows? Maybe. But every time RuPaul walks into that workroom, it just it has a lighter tone to it. How many seasons of the original RuPaul are there now? You're up to season 13. So that's they've been doing the same thing yeah. with a lot of the same people and a lot of like expectation from season to season about what the format looks like and yes. stuff. I imagine just being around in a different place with different people mm. and different energies and different cultures are going to re-energize you a little bit. I think think so and I, yeah it, it has a very different energy obviously they've got lots like cast obviously and crew different room I, yeah mm-hmm. it, it has a nicer oh, vibe to the it covid um changes to it you mean no or, i mean just because they're in a different country oh sure sure yeah, sure. yeah. has um, that been affected by covid stuff like are they yes that's something interesting that happened in the last few episodes so they were filming the season then covid hit and they had to go into lockdown mm-hmm. so the queens had to go home i think for like Quite a while. I want to say seven weeks, but it might have been 
longer. Wow. So quite a while. So they had to just pause production. They have a cute special episode where you see like the queens at home like, and they're all dealing with it and kind of like, you know, sewing new things. Um, yeah, it, it was it was quite good actually. And then we come, we've just come back now. So cool. we're two weeks back into it. Yeah, it's it's been a really good season. So if anyone's been slightly tempted, I would suggest you start watching that, Broderick. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've also been watching, I think just the you know after coming through lockdown and quarantine and all that, I started watching Alone, which is it's on binge in Australia. It's people, ten people get dropped in a very volatile, inhospitable place. Uh, this time we're in the Arctic. I assume in different seasons they've been going to different places. But the seasons I've watched, 10 people dropped in the Arctic where they're only allowed 10 items and they just have to survive. So they're surrounded by bears, wolverines. They have to catch their own food. They have to build their own shelter. They're dropped off in September. So winter is coming and it's amazing. One guy breaks his leg, a like crap ton of people just are vomiting constantly from gastro or food poisoning and have to be airlifted out. It's full on, but it makes you go, I wonder if I could survive in the Arctic. You couldn't, but it's <laughs> nice to dream. So I've really been enjoying that. Just to lay back, like every episode's about an hour, just watching these people while I play Animal Crossing. You know, I feel like I'm one with them. It's quite nice. <laughs> have you watched a lot of like, have you been like been a Bear Grylls like fan Bear Grylls. in the past? I those used to like. I think when I was a teenager, when it was on SBS, I watched sure. a bit of Bear Grylls when that was all kind of starting in Australia. I've always enjoyed that kind of stuff. Like mm. you know, one of my favorite books as a kid was My Side of the Mountain, which is just a kid who leaves his house one day and just goes lives on a mountain somewhere in a oh. hollowed out tree. And it was my dream as a child. I was like, that's that's a way to live. Yeah, no, I really enjoy that kind of stuff. The sometimes because Bear Grylls obviously is relatively extreme, but you always get the sense like ah, oh, there's probably a crew just he's off fine. thing. Like he's not, he's really fine. Yeah, this seems far more extreme. It just yeah, kind of feels like one-upmanship though. At what point are they <laughs> just going to kill people on screen? That's what I always worry about with these well, things. Thankfully, nature brings its own twists and turns, so you don't really feel like they're upping the stakes because okay. the, I've seen two seasons now, both of which they just have to survive in the Arctic, um, and there's there's no film crew they like they are carrying lugging around camera equipment they've all got gopros on um there was one kind of after episode special they had where they were talking about you know it's really fucking hard to hunt something when you see it and then you have to like click this tripod together which obviously makes a huge amount of noise like and not like an added element that these very successful hunters haven't had to deal with that type of thing so yeah they're completely alone unlike Bear Grylls who has like a safety team and a camera crew and all that stuff um but I think these people are so you know what's the what's what knowledgeable about what they're doing is that they understand their own limits yep. so very rarely is someone pushing themselves into a very dangerous situation it's what, all just about perseverance really what's the prize at the end of this is there a, a million dollars if Does, you outlast everyone outlast it oh so it's a matter of just outlasting just everybody outlast else outlast everyone else so that's the first season i watched you just had to outlast everyone i think they made it to like 70 something days and then the second one i'm watching you get a million dollars if you make a hundred days, which no one has done in the history of the show. Right. So you have to last a hundred days for that one. Wow. Anything else? Oh, so the other day I was walking past the National Gallery of Victoria and I was 
being passed by all these teenagers who'd gone to a concert at the Sydney Meyer Music Bowl. I'm not sure people watching is what I was asking for when we were talking about what we've been watching is all I'm saying. Let me tell my tale, sir. <laughs> um, hey, I was walking past just like hordes of teenagers and I was just looking at what they were wearing and it filled me with so much, so much joy because they were all dressed like they were in Buffy. Like the fashion sense is exactly the same. So we got Buffy episodes on one side and then on the other side we've got the OC. So 90s meeting early 2000s fashion is back with a plum. Like they are fucking killing it. It looks like they're going to a costume party. It's hilarious and I, I was really enjoying it. And it made me go, you know, obviously being so fashionable as a teenager thinking about all the ridiculous clothes I wore and looking back now going, I look like a fucking idiot. (laughs) Um, And I know these kids are going to do the same thing. And it just made me go, I want to rewatch the OC. Cause I remember watching that show and being like, I want to, you know, wear that thing that Marissa is wearing or whatever. Like that was really that peak of that fashion. So I started rewatching the OC and I am loving it. It's terrible, but the music and yeah, the clothing it's just, it's really taken me back in time and I've appreciated that. How does, because you've been watching Pen15, which is mm. sort of like set on that era, but yeah. the people watching the OC rather than the people in the OC, yeah. <laughs> does that change, like having that show and having these now nostalgia, there's movies and TV shows which are now nostalgic for mm. the late not, not, late 90s, early 2000s. Does that change your perception of the OC at all? That we're in like a post a nostalgic era for that Time in our lives? Maybe. I mean, it takes itself so seriously. And I've only watched the first couple of episodes. And I don't think in terms of teen shows, it's a bad teen show. It doesn't make me go, oh, this is just truly horrific. Yeah. As I think it does later on down the road. Um, I think it was a better show, you know, in season one than it is in, I don't know, season four or whatever, when it just goes off the rails. Um, oh, does it make me think differently? No, because unlike Pen15, which is a new perspective of a time that I was present in, mm-hmm. the OC just takes me back to that feeling that I had when I was 14 and watching it. Right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. What about you, bro? What have you been watching? Uh, a lot of WandaVision. We've been watching that oh, religiously yes. every, every week. Love it every week. Catch uh, up, you idiots. Yeah. I, I'll just put this out there. We're not going to talk about it now because it's super spoilerific and stuff like that. But mm. everyone should start getting prepared for our yes. WandaVision review episode coming up mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks once the last episode airs. Yeah. And just treat yourself. It really is worth it. Please. It's definitely worth it, especially if you have any interest in the Marvel um, Cinematic Universe at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to be prepared, that's probably going to go for two hours by the time we stop talking about that episode. So yeah. look forward to that. Um, since our last off-topic hot topic, last time you had seen Wonder Woman 1984, yes. I've since been to the cinemas and seen Wonder Woman 1984. Congratulations. It's been a while since I've watched it. Now, it's a couple of months. Mm. I don't know if I have a lot to add to what you said. Then I, why bother, Brad? No, go on. I'm trying to remember. You enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. It yeah. reminded me of, you know, those early 2000 kind of, and some some in like the 80s and stuff, that vibe of a superhero. Yeah. It didn't feel super serious. It's got a 70s like Superman, Donna era Superman mm. movie sort of feel to it. And sometimes it does that better than others. And mm-hmm. sometimes it kind of just feels like, why has it been an hour since there's been an action scene? That was my favourite part. Well, Oh, yeah. You were just enjoying the... I enjoyed the friendship that was developing between Kristen Wiig and Gal Gadot. Like, I was just like, yes, I'm invested in this. And also, if they want to kiss, that's cool too. I think it's in an awkward place where it's like they had the 
first one was introduced in Batman vs Superman, and mm-hmm. then they went back to her origin story, which mm-hmm. is easy enough to do. And then they're trying to fill in this like what she's been doing in between, and it makes you ask a lot of questions. Like a lot of they questions. They also feel like completely different films, like very disjointed all from each three other. Three of them. All three of them are, have nothing to do with There's each other. Very little at continuity, all. Yeah. in style or tone or yes. anything, which I think was a real shock for people. But yeah, well. Uh, maybe that's an expectation, unfortunately, the MCU has given that these things will be connected and have a certain like mm-hmm. continuity to them. And that just doesn't seem to exist in the no. in the DCEU at this point. Um, I, I It's funny, seeing it in the movies, I think in a lot of ways I was just happy to be there, which I think yeah. is something you said as well. Yes. And I came out of it sort of going, I liked it well enough. Mm-hmm. If you... Take a critical eye to it, though. It is very easy to pick this movie apart. Like, yeah. extremely easy. There is a lot of stuff in that makes you scratch your head if you think about it for a second. Yeah. Choices in storytelling, why things were there, superfluous ideas or characters or whatever. But it was fine enough. I don't think it needs a critical eye. I think that that's my opinion about it. I'm like, it was like a fun movie. I Let's would, not. I would say if you like the original Wonder Woman, mm. don't get your you hopes up. Like it. It's going... You won't like it. You probably won't like it. Uh, it, it if that's do- your expectation of what a Wonder Woman film is and should be, then I don't think you'll like it. I don't think you will. But that's not unfair, surely. To- no, I don't think so yeah. either. Yeah. But I'm just, I'm preparing people. Sure, you yeah. probably won't like Go it. In, it's not going to be as much, you're not going to like as much as you like the first one if you like mm. the original. Um, but if it's like free to stream on something you, that yeah. you've already got, give it a watch. Hungover, yeah. order like a bucket of chicken yeah, yeah, and yeah. enjoy Wonder Woman. Yeah, I think that, that'd that be the way to watch yeah. it and you'll have a fine time mm-hmm. with it. It's not the worst from the DC, I'll say that much. Fuck no. <laughs> Fuck no. Um, I also got to see at the cinemas. I've been to the cinemas a couple of times, which has been cool. Mm. How privileged are we? All right, so rich. We get it. <laughs> Went to see Promising Young Woman. I still need to see that. Uh, starring uh, Carrie Mulligan. And written and directed by Emerald Fennell, who we know as Camilla Parker Bowles. Ah, uh, yes. From The Crown season three and four. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'd never seen her anything really before that. Um, and didn't know she was a writing director until after I saw this movie already, but written directed by her. Uh, Carrie Mulligan plays a young woman who goes out once a week, pretends to get absolutely trolled, and waits for a man to take try and take advantage of her and take her mm-hmm. home. And then stuff happens, and cool. I won't say any more than that because anything more would be a spoiler. Mm-hmm. This is a very, 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 very good movie. Mm-hmm. It is also a very, very, very difficult movie to talk about without spoiling it and very difficult to critique and rate in some ways. Um, it's one of those things where I admire it more than I like it a little bit. Okay. There are large sections of it that I just I like what it's doing. Mm-hmm. And the bits that I don't necessarily like, I don't think are bad. They are just very difficult. Okay. And I I think there's bold choices and I think they knew what they were going for and I commend them for it. It left me scratching my head a little bit. Mm-hmm. I have but, heard that a couple of times, But yeah. also maybe that's the point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not how I would have done it, but that's again the point, right? Let's certainly why, not your story to tell. Exactly. Why? Why would yeah. I be the one to tell this story? And that's what that's why I really admire about it. Yeah. It's got such a perspective and such an idea. Mm-hmm. I don't love all the choices, but I they are choices, mm-hmm. and for that reason, it needs to be commended. It 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 will take you from pillar to post. I think mm-hmm. this film and the yeah, I, it's it's really really difficult to talk about. But I think it's a film that a lot of people should watch. 
And again, you don't want to spoil things, but I think if you are someone who is a little sensitive or squeamish, you might struggle with parts of it. Yes. And it might surprise you that that happens too, because sometimes the film does not feel like it's going to be as heavy as it's going to be. Okay. Does that make sense? Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. I hope that's vague enough, because I don't- It is. I haven't seen it, and I- to have no specifics. Because I think people could start saying. to go, oh, this is going to happen in it based off the thing. And it's probably not what you're thinking. The thing yeah. that I'm... Yeah. Anyway. I think the vibe you're giving me is simply what I've gotten from the trailer anyway, in terms of assumptions of how it plays out. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I don't... Sure. You haven't and that's given one of the things I like about it is it does defy it does defy some expectations to a degree as well. Yeah. I'll put it this way. Went to this movie with a good friend of mine who we go to see um, movies quite a bit we like to have a discussion. Went to this movie, caught up beforehand. I was meant to leave in a hurry afterwards. Mm-hmm. But when the film was over, yeah. after wanting to walk out at one point, I was like, I have to sit down and talk to you for 10 minutes after mm. this just to like debrief. Mm. That's the sort of film it is. Yeah. Cool. So that's a recommendation, I think. It sounds like a recommendation. I think it's with a big disclaimer. Yeah. Massive, massive. Yep. Disclaimer next to it, I think is the point. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, really good. I'm looking forward to seeing more stuff from Emerald Fennell. And Carrie Mulligan, I, I just always admire as an actor. And I don't feel like she's necessarily got enough attention or enough good roles. I feel like she kind of got that role in The Great Gatsby. And then because The Great Gatsby was only lukewarmly received, she sort of fell to the bottom of the, the pool again. Because she started like, I feel like she started like an education, which was yes. really well received. I mean, for me, it was Sally Sparrow in Doctor Who. Yes, in, I mean, in, of course. In Blink. That's, well, That's she'll terrifying. She'll always be Sally Sparrow. Yeah, yeah. She's brilliant in that. She is. Uh, I have also, well, you and I watched after, because we're getting into WandaVision again, mm. you were just hanging out for a bit. Yes. And we're like, let's watch a couple of Marvel films. Mm-hmm. And we went to the start and the end of the catalogue, basically. That's quite fun. And we watched the original Iron Man mm-hmm. from, I believe, 2008. I think that's right. Like that. And we watched Spider-Man Far From Home, which is the last film um, in stage in the, was it, phase three, mm-hmm. immediately after Avengers Endgame. Iron Man 1 is a fun one to refer, to return to because of what it has wrought upon the world, basically, <laughs> yes. ever since. The first step down mm-hmm. a very, very, very the long path. The first locust that you see before the plague. Exactly. Yeah. How did you feel about returning to Iron Man? Because I had maybe only seen it once or twice, and I didn't love Iron Man. I've never really loved any of the Iron Men's. Any um, of the films? Yes, any of the films. Sure. I only really got into MCU after uh, Captain America came it's out. Still, it still amazes it's me. Still, Captain America. I mean, so I good. would watch them, but that one like just captured my heart. I mean, how can you not love him? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he's such a character to attach to. I think he's the most beautiful man in the world. It, it's still a miracle to me. The Captain America is not boring as batshit. Mm-hmm. The name, the idea, his basic ass powers and stupid shield that he throws, mm-hmm. nothing about it should work. You get the right writers and you cast the right person mm-hmm. and holy shit, the yeah. best character in the I MCU. I mean, a nice, caring superhero. I'm, I'm <laughs> fucking into it. Um, yeah, so I, I didn't have – I remember like a lot of my friends would speak highly of Iron Man and I understood why in terms of like what it started, but in terms of the actual film itself, I, I didn't really feel that nostalgic for it. Watching it was really interesting because I'm like, oh, yeah, I can see how this would start all of this. But there were certain scenes that I remember turning to you being like, 
what was the intention in that scene? And sure. we were talking about it, and I don't think either of us really knew because I don't think it, they knew at the time. So that film is famous for basically yeah. being ad-libbed to some yes. degree. Like and it I think was it's made, the poorer for it in quite a lot of ways. In some ways, it was why it worked, because mm. they allowed Favreau was writing it on the fly alongside Robert Downey Jr., and they allowed Robert Downey Jr. to have a lot of influence over mm. the script and the dialogue. And that's kind of why the big success, I think, of Iron Man when it came out and still to this day, is that by the end of it, Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark. Mm -hmm. And if you think about all the superhero films that came before it, Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, those were like, and like even the X-Men with Wolverine and stuff, Mm. they're the top tier comic book superheroes that everybody already knew about. They just made them into movies finally. Mm -hmm. That they were relatively campy. Yes. And the same period that Iron Man came out, The Dark Knight and Batman Begins were coming out, and that was setting a new tone for Batman that was really working for it. Mm. And then Iron Man comes around and we've not heard... Oh, well, Iron Man was a known character, but not a favourite. He was like a B or C tier superhero. Yes. But by the end of it, people were like, Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr., this guy's a character, Mm -hmm. and like... That part worked for it. Yeah. What didn't work is when there were some really terribly written dialogue scenes between him and Pepper Potts <laughs> yeah. that, like, could have done with about four more rewrites. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, there's some things now. I was like, one, what is happening? Yeah. And two, why on earth are you hanging out with this person? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, there's certain, like, things that are obviously dated, yeah. being much further away from September 11 and the Iraq War and that type of thing and having sacrificial brown people um, to spur you on to fight the good fight, that type of thing. Um, but, yeah, I, I get it. Obviously, in the later films, that improv has been far improved. So you used to have that kind of energy in Guardians and that type of thing, as well as the first Avengers film, where it has – and I think there probably is an element of that, that improv back and forth mm-hmm. sensibility um, that, yeah, really works in the later films. So I'm glad they kind of – set that tone. The energy is there yes. that ultimately becomes the MCU. But it is, it is funny going back to it now. It does just feel so raw mm-hmm. compared to where we are now. Marvel has become a very slick machine since yep. then. Um, but I, there's still lots of it that does work. I think, like, as an origin story, it's really good. As a character arc for Tony Stark to mm-hmm. go from, you know, megalomaniac weapons dealer to guy who's going to throw his company under the bus and fight for you know, to get rid of his weapons in the world and all mm. that sort of stuff. Like, it's it's it works fine. Yeah. It just definitely is starting to show its age a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it was a good time. I didn't hate it's it. It's also just fun to see, like, Tony Stark, Mr. Technology, like, having a video flip phone. Like, that's just yeah. fun to watch. Yeah, 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 yeah. Little things like that. Talking about MySpace yeah. and stuff like that. It's like, fuck, we've come a long way. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um. So, compare that with Spider-Man Far From Home, which was the most recent Marvel movie to release, mm-hmm. um, which is so far down the line. Do you, did you end up finishing? Because you didn't finish it when we I watched it together. I did finish it, yeah, when I went home. How do you ultimately feel about that film on a rewatch? I thought I had very similar opinions from when I first saw it, which isn't yeah. that long ago, is that I think it's really, really good teen superhero film yeah it reminds me of like all those like disney films and stuff where like you know they go to paris or they go to rome it has that beautiful like molding of like a superhero film and those like european teen adventure films that you watch i had a lot of fun with it i thought um the bad guy was really good if not like 
kind of hard to piece together how it was all fitting. Sure. Um, but ultimately, I think it's a really enjoyable film, and I think uh, Zendaya is great in it. I find her very charming. Um, yeah, I liked it. And also, Jake Gyllenhaal is so beautiful. That was the only reason I could get Steph to watch it. Yeah. Because <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal was in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a funny one. It's where it's an example of how we've gone from Iron Man, which is like just trying to be on the foundations of like what a superhero film mm. could be in the modern era. And then on top of that, then build your team up movie. And then from there, try and expand and build further. Mm. By the time we're getting to Spider-Man Far From Home, they're starting to make fun of themselves. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to constantly yeah. like under uh, or, or ex- get under your expectations because mm-hmm. there's a formula here and it mostly yes. fits to a formula, but like just tries to skew things far enough that you don't know what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Um, so you still feel like you're having an adventure along the way. Definitely. You're not like, oh, I'm watching this again. Yeah. But to the point where it like, you don't want to spoil this film. It's been out for a couple of years now, so it's hard to spoil something that you hope most people have seen that are mm. interested, but like sets up expectations that make it seem like this could be a really shitty superhero film yes. to then come in with something that makes it more unique. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that it's as enjoyable as it is, it's not in my top 10 Marvel movies probably, nah, I don't think. Tens a lot, but how many well, have we had? Well, there's 25 of the damn things at this point, I think, or something close to that. Yeah. Maybe in the top 10. It's not the top. It's not my favourite MCU no. film. It's not um, one that I, you know, comes to the top of my mind when I'm thinking of, like, you know, the classics that I'll go back to time and time again. I'll put it this way. I think as we get to this movie, Marvel is sort of, like, really peaked in terms of what it can do with the formula it's got. Mm-hmm. I am more than ever happy that... WandaVision is doing what it's doing. I agree. I think that's the best step to take is because obviously, you know, we've had like, you know, their three, four-act structure films for so long now. We're very familiar with a lot of the characters. Um, It's time to, yeah, change the energy up again. Mm -hmm. And I think WandaVision does that beautifully in a way that is so unexpected and so rewarding to watch. I think, yeah, I think moving things towards – Disney Plus while perhaps creating new, you know, franchises in the cinematic universe, like in terms of films, is really clever. And so far with WandaVision, it's uh, working. Did you see that there have been three titles for the new Spider-Man tweeted out by different cast members today? No. What are they? Tom Holland tweeted out a a behind-the-scenes sort of like photo Mm. alongside the title... Spider-Man, Spider-Man Phone Home. Mm-hmm. Not long or simultaneously with that, um, Jacob Batalon, who plays his friend Neil, mm-hmm. tweeted out a photo, a different photo, but from a similar scene in the movie, along with the title Spider-Man, Spider-Man Home Wrecker. And Zendaya tweeted out a photo and mm-hmm. the film Spider-Man Home Slice. <laughs> so they're fucking fucking with us at That's this point. Fun. That's very fun. <laughs> which I love. Um, there's a rumor that the actual tile is going to be reveal- revealed on uh, Jimmy Fallon. I think that might be going on or okay. something like that. They're going to do an interview or something like that. I don't know if that's true or not, but mm. there's a good chance we'll have the real title quite soon. And this is their way of just generating buzz yeah. to make sure people, people are paying are attention. Wanting to check it out. Yeah. The two theories I have one mm. my brother came up with, or I heard somewhere else, and one I just came up with recently was that it'll be called Spider Man No Place Like Home. Mm-hmm. But the one I like, based on the rumors about what the next movie is going to be, is Spider Man Home Away from Home. Mm-hmm. Is my theory. Home away from home. Home away from home. Doesn't really. 
Don't love that one. But... Uh, I like it a lot. Okay. I think I think thematically with what is rumoured to be happening mm. and almost confirmed to this point, again, let's not spoil things, um, I think that would work really well. Mm-hmm. The idea of homes away from home. No, okay, anyway. I just think it's too many words. Home away from home. Home away from home. It's too much. It's, it's Spider-Man, home, home away, away from, from home. home. It's ridiculous. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I hope you're right. <laughs> I hope I'm right too. Um, anyway, let's leave it there. We're going to be back talking about WandaVision, the MCU, in a few weeks Yay! once that's over, which I'm looking forward to. Next week, we'll be back with our review of The Sopranos Season 4. I probably need to start watching that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you all excited. I haven't started it either. Um, thank you again for listening to this episode of Off Topic, Hot Topic. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Good night, everybody. And so, we